people who say, nah, he's not real, all right, and maybe you're one of them, maybe probably unlikely seems you're sitting in this room, but maybe you've been dragged along. Then there's other people who think, yeah, look, there's a God, but I just, um, I just don't care. I don't care if there is a God or not, all right, there might be a God, but I don't want anything to do with him. And then there's another group of people who say, yep, I know there's a God, and I'm a fan of God, I'm a fan of Jesus Christ, but what does that really mean? And then the fourth category are followers. And what I guess we're situ- what we've been doing in these last few weeks is looking at those last two categories. The difference between a fan and a follower. Um, and a fan is someone who dresses up and who does all the, all the right things, so to speak, does, you know, puts all the support gear on. But do they really engage with Jesus Christ? Do they really go the whole, the whole distance? Are they a player on the field or are they a fan in the stands? That was our first week. And then Simo backed this up last week by going through the invitation uh, when, when Jesus basically said to some of his followers, he said, um, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross, deny yourself and take up your cross. And we looked at a bit of that. So that's, that's where we've been going in the last few weeks. Um, but today we're going to finish up this series on not a fan and we're going to um, I guess bring it home and I guess what does that and the question is what does that mean for you all right where where are you at? where are you at with this whole fan thing are you still like mm, not real sure or what does that what does that mean for you now I don't know if you have ever had a big knockback I'm talking like maybe more the girl-guy thing. I don't know, anyone here, like, you can, if you're too embarrassed to say, you don't have to put your hand up, but, you know, have you ever, like, put yourself out there, asked a girl or a guy, you know, maybe to go out or to do something like that, and they're just like, no, nah, I don't think so. Okay, no one's, I'm pretty sure everyone has, but, yeah, like, there's a few of these, like, a few of these little ones going on, like, you know, like, you don't want to really admit that, hey, you don't really want to admit that. Yeah, and I actually, um, you know, because you sort of put yourself out there and, 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 you know, when you get knocked back, like, it doesn't really do a lot for your ego. Um, you, think you, you think you've got what it takes and you think, yeah, I'm going to be bold. Um, you know, you strut your stuff, all that sort of stuff. But um, when they just turn around and say, nah, not interested really, thanks for coming. Uh, it's just like, ooh, ouch, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but here, actually, in this passage, we're going to go to Luke 9 today. And we're going to just look through, look through the end of Luke 9. And in this passage... Um, we took there's three different characters that either asked Jesus to follow uh, if they could follow him, or Jesus actually himself says, "Hey, come and follow me." And, and we look at it, and it's actually a bit of a contrast because uh, in in uh, in some other passages when we're calling the disciples, you know, Jesus' main men, you know, Matthew, um, James, and John, Peter, and all these other guys, Jesus walks up and says, "Hey, come and follow me," and they go, "Yeah, yeah, righto, beauty," and they leave straight away. Whereas in this passage. We have the opposite, and we actually have these these guys who say, "Yeah, no, maybe not," and and basically reject reject Jesus Christ. You know, actually, it's interesting talking about um, Sarah before he was talking about going on a cruise, and she's been trying to get me to go on a cruise. I actually said to her, "Well, I've got a story of my own, and she's not going to be here to hear it." So I thought I could take a little bit of liberty. You know, I've actually, you know, I actually have asked her to go out uh, with me, and that's about eight hours west of here. Um, the boys and I are going out to, to Mitchell, west of Roma, uh, over the holidays. 
And I keep saying, oh, why don't you come out with us, Sarah? You know, that'd be really, you know, a lot of fun. And she's like, not in, not in your life. I keep getting those not back, you know, like, come and, come and follow us. She said, what do you want me to do? I said, well, just come out and hang out with us. She said, well, you're, you're sleeping in a shearing shed and you're like, you know, you're, you're chasing cattle or you're riding motorbikes or, you, you know, what all this sort of stuff. Got some, a farm out there that my cousins live on that we go and visit. Uh, but each time I ask her, she just keeps rejecting me. Uh, so... So we talk about having the big knockback. Uh, I guess I have a few of my own, even still, after all these years of being married, you still know what it's like to just be rejected. And, you know, she, she won't follow me anywhere. She won't follow me anywhere I have to go. But here, Jesus Christ, like I said, Jesus Christ has his own knockbacks. And I want to start up. Uh, so it's in Luke uh, chapter 9. And basically what's happening, just to, just to give you a little bit of the setting, Jesus is in his last days. Um, just about to head into Jerusalem, uh, where the whole crucifixion and, and all the nasty stuff is going to take place. Um, or have I got that right there? So, but anyway, he's in, heading into Jerusalem. Right, maybe my timing's out a bit. But he's heading into Jerusalem, uh, and he comes along. The, he comes along with all these followers, all these people that are following him. And there's a few individuals, as I said before, who who have this interaction with Jesus. In verse 57, we're going to read, read few, through a few of these and, and we'll see what turns up. As they were walking along, this is in verse 57 of Luke chapter 9, as they were walking along, uh, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go, which is a pretty admirable Right, so far so good, like these guys come up and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus immediately turns around and says to this guy, he says, uh, Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to place his head. And so immediately Jesus turns around and he says to these guys, or to this, this individual, he says, look, I'm actually homeless. Like, I'm, I'm a homeless bloke, you know, I don't actually have a place to go. And it's sort of implied, it doesn't specifically state here, but it's implied that this guy goes all right, maybe that's, maybe that's all a little bit too hard and, and we don't hear about him again. So here this guy comes and says, oh, I'll follow you wherever and he says, well, do you realise what that really means? Do you, have you weighed up the cost? Do you really, really realise what that's going to involve? And sometimes, I guess, we have to make those calls. Sometimes we are faced with those same scenarios where we are going, you know, what, what is... What does it really mean to follow Jesus Christ? And is it something that I really want to do? Am I happy to sit on the sideline? Am I happy to cheer from the side going, yeah, yeah, look, Christianity's cool, but am I really prepared to actually take the hard yards and take that step in to follow Jesus wherever that might be? I remember, it was a pretty... I thought I was doing all right. It was when I was at university. So when I left school, I went to university and I actually studied agriculture, okay, ag science. I did it for four years. Um, studied to be a farmer, all right? That's just what it is, I need to be a farmer. So I wanted to be a farmer. So I was starting to be a farmer and after the four years were up, or just about in the last, my last semester of the last year, so I was just about to finish learning to be a farmer, um, a good farmer, just saying, um, I was praying a lot and I was saying to God, what God, what do you want me to do? And, you know, I guess there are stages in our lives where we're faced with these sort of questions and, you know, you guys in year 12, you're right, oh, what are we doing next year? Um, what course are we going to put in for? We're going to put in for half a dozen and then hopefully get a few of them and then choose from there or sometimes we know exactly what we want. And other people, um, 
you know, we move cities, we move, we move you know, locations or we have different jobs and we're like, all right, God, what do we want to do? But I was, I was sort of in this, I was at this place and I was saying to God, God, what do you want me to do? Um, you know, I've just, just studied for four years. Just to put it out there, I really didn't like study at all, but I got through the course. I think I left a couple of times, but sort of made my way back and finished it. But I got to the end of it and I was just about to graduate. And I was saying to God, right, oh God, what do you want me to do? And the more I prayed the more I felt God was saying, maybe go and do some more study. I'm thinking, no, that's not good to start with. Maybe go and do some more study and go and study to do ministry, to become a pastor. And I'm just thinking, that is absolutely ridiculous. That is like the worst thing that I could possibly think of. And as I prayed, I thought, God, well, that's definitely not it because first of all, like I don't have the skills to to suit that sort of person, uh, you know, that sort of role. Uh, I don't... I don't have a desire, really, to be there. Um, I, wrong, wrong person, obviously, you got the wrong person. And so I prayed again, I thought, God, I'll do anything, you know, I'll go, I'll go anywhere in Australia, if, wherever you want me to go, um, you know, I'm thinking farming still, uh, you just tell me where it is. And I just had kept coming back to this impression, this, this, this thought that God's going, actually, I want you to go and study to be a pastor. I was thinking wrong answer you know that's just the wrong thing like that like I'm asking a serious question here God don't give me these you know these these answers that just don't make sense and the more and more I prayed uh the more I felt that's what God wanted me to do to the point where I got uh to the place where I got to where I said to God God I'll actually and I was sort of expanding my expanding my options and I was saying to God God I will actually go anywhere in the world Except, uh, except to uh, except to college to do to study to be a pastor. Like clearly, that's just not the right answer. And so I said to God, I'll go. You know, I'm thinking I might go and st- like help out international aid. You know, I'm a farmer now. I can go and help poor people, people who don't have technology, and I can develop, you know, agricultural programs for hungry people. You know, blah blah all that sort of stuff. I'm thinking that's that's a. I was thinking that's a pretty noteworthy cause. You know, I was thinking I was doing all right with that. College, study, ministry. I'm just going. That's the wrong answer. That was just the, and I just couldn't get my head around the fact that that I sort of had these plans, and I'd given everything to God. God, I'll go anywhere, but He kept sending me to this one place where I didn't want to go. He kept He kept suggesting. That's how I felt. He kept suggesting that Neil, that's not where I want you. I want you to go, and I want you to study to be a pastor. And I guess the question we have here is: Are we prepared? to go wherever God wants us to go. I mean, if we really want to get serious with ourselves, are we truly prepared to go wherever God wants us to go? Now, wherever, I don't know where that is for you. Wherever might be, I want you to go home and I want you to live a Christian, you know, I want you to be a good bloke or a good woman or whatever it might be in your own home. I want you to be a godly influence in your home. That might be the where God is calling you to do. Or it might be, you know, it might be here at school. It might be like the where for you might be two seats up from where you usually sit to, to, a, to a girl or a guy who's, who no one sort of talks to or, or not, doesn't quite, I don't know what it is. Or it might be at work. Where, the wherever part. You know, in this, in this passage, Jesus talks to this guy um, and he says, I'll, I'll follow you wherever. That's what he says, I'll, I'll go wherever you want. And Jesus says, well, do you realise that I don't have any wherever, I've just... I just, I just cruise. I'm, I'm, I'm homeless. And this guy thinks, hmm, okay. 
Because he, in his mind too, he was probably thinking that, that this is the king of Israel and he's going to be setting up a, a nice plush palace someday, pretty soon. You know, and he's thinking, I'm going to be, I'll go with you, with you wherever you want to go. And Jesus turns around and says, well, if you want that sort of a lifestyle, it's not going to find it here. Are you prepared to go wherever God wants you to go? Big question. Um, quite often, when God calls us outside of our comfort zone, the very first answer that's on our lips is no. You know, when, when, when things are alright, when God asks us to do something or when anyone asks us to do something, even if you don't believe in God, you know, when someone asks you to do something, if you're comfortable with it, oh yeah, I can do that, that's not too drastic. But when it's something that's a bit outside our comfort zone, something that's a bit out of our league, then we might think, the first answer is, oh, I know someone else can do that. Like, that's, that's not for me. And immediately we just say, we put the barrier up and we just go, no. But when God calls us to go wherever, what are we going to respond? How are we going to respond to that? Um, and quite often we actually, you know, and if you've, been a, if you've been a Christian for a while, and I don't know where everyone's at as far as Christianity goes, some of you might be, like I said, some of you might not even really believe in God, others might be, yeah, look, sort of part of my life, but I don't want, to imp- doesn't, I don't want it to impact too much. Others here might be, yeah, look, I'm ready to take the next step. So I don't know where it is. But for those people who have been around Christianity for a while, quite often we use Jesus as a consultant. You know, like, God, where do you reckon I should go? And that's what I was doing, I can be honest. When I was looking at leaving university, I could honestly say, right, God, where... And he was telling me where I needed to go, and I'm going, yeah, I don't really like that option. You know, it's like, God, tell me what you think and give me some good options. And you think, nah, nah, I don't like those ones, actually. Like, have you got anything else? And I guess, you know, when God reveals his will to us, he reveals it not for our consideration, but for our participation. He doesn't reveal his will so that we can just go, oh... Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, that's not too bad. Or, yeah, maybe not. He says, right, eh? If you want to follow, this is where I'm going. It's not for our consideration, it's for our participation. So, this guy, this guy in the story, we don't hear about him again. That's it. He's gone. Like, nah, he was going to be a follower of Jesus, and then Jesus said, well, I don't, you know, wherever. And he went, oh, a bit hard. We never hear about him again. There's two more. So, let's go to the next guy. Um, we don't even know their names, by the way. Like it's just these randoms. Uh, in verse fifty-nine of Luke, it says, um, "He said to another person." So Jesus actually has said this to someone. He said to another person, "Come, follow me." Have you heard those words before? Have you read those words before? And if you've read your Bible before, and you've read the, if you've read somewhere in the New Testament before, you've you've gonna have heard Jesus say those words. Jesus walks out to Peter. When he's out fishing, remember the story? He goes out, basically this is his first disciples for those who may not know, and he says, come follow me. Immediately the Bible says, immediately Peter like goes, ooh, all right, and takes off straight away. When Jesus calls, immediately. And do we hear Peter's name again? Mm, yep, plenty of it. And it was similar to some of those other disciples. Jesus says, come follow me. So immediately they left their post and they, and they um, followed Jesus. But Jesus calls this guy in verse 59, he says, he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed. So he wanted to come, right? So the man agreed. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Now, 
from first, uh, first impressions, you might think, well, that's a fair enough thing to do, right? Like if the guy, like the guy saying, look, I'm happy to come, I'm, I'm there with you, but just let me go home and bury my father. Because like if your father's died, right, reasonable request, you would imagine, yeah? A few nods, a few heads nodding, yeah, okay, got a few in the head, good, good, we're listening. Okay, uh, if, if, if you said like, you know, but let me first, you'd think Jesus would go, well, that's compassionate, Jesus is love, all that sort of stuff. But he turns around and he says, but Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to do good and preach about the kingdom of God. Isn't that a bit harsh? What's going on there? You know, in fact, if you look at that a little bit closer, and the fact that this guy, and this doesn't state it explicitly, but if you, if you think about the scenario that's happening here, this guy who is, um, who's coming, who, who Jesus has come to and said, hey, come and follow me, uh, the fact that he's there probably means that he's not taking care of his father's affairs and probably means that his father hasn't actually died yet. And most people, if you read a few of the scholars, people would suggest that, that he hasn't, prob- like there's a good chance that he's not dead, but he might, be, he might be elderly or he might be ill or something like that. And so he probably hasn't died just yet. So basically this guy's... It could be concluded that this guy says, look, hey, I want to go back and I just want to like, tie up the things at home and give me, a, give me a few weeks or a month or whatever it might be, I don't know, whatever it might be, and then I'll follow. Jesus says, no. Nah. You want to follow? Let's go now. Let's do it now. Now, another question for you. Hand up here if you have ever started a diet tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? All right, okay. That's so, it's a bit like that last question I get. I'm getting a few of these again, you know? Like, <laughs> you know? Because like, you always start tomorrow, right? Like, you don't ever start today. You always like, no, tomorrow, tomorrow, no. Like, if, if it was today, I don't... I'm, no, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up if you're going to actually start one tomorrow, you know, the 30th of March, but don't... But, you know, if you're going to start, you're going to go, right, it's Saturday today. No, we had a breakfast out there that was nice. We had pancakes, like... Um, I don't want to... Like, no, I don't want to start today because that, that wouldn't be good. I want to start fresh. We'll start tomorrow, right? You always start tomorrow. Like just, you know, you're always starting tomorrow. The thing with Jesus, he says, let's start now. What are you waiting for? You know, going back to that other story I was talking about when, when I was left uni and I, was, I thought that Jesus was, um, God was really trying to tell me to get into ministry. I know I've told a few of these stories before, but I rang up, eventually I rang up Avondale College uh, to... to get some information on what it might what I might have to do and the forms I might have to fill out in order to get to to begin to start theology this is after but I put it off for a long time <clears throat> and I um like I procrastinated I thought right and eventually I come to the place where I, you know what I've just got to do it um and then it was like yeah okay I do just have to do it and I'll do that tomorrow you know like and, and, I'll, and I'll do that tomorrow and and I kept thinking right I'll, but eventually I did and just to fill you in on the story, I guess, when I did ring up, because I'd just finished my four years at, at university studying agriculture, and, and I remember I ringing up and the person on the other end said, okay, yeah, how can I help you? And I just told them what I wanted and I said, look, I'm interested in studying this. I'm interested, sort of not interested, but I'm interested in, not in studying theology. Um, and can you send me out some information? Yeah, yeah, sure, no worries. All right, what do you... Anyway, what's your address and all that sort of stuff, all that sort of thing. Told them all that. And then, just as we were about to hang up, the person on the other end of the phone, this lady says, oh, by the way, what are you doing right now? And, uh, and I told her. And see, if I back the story up just a little bit, 
because I really, really didn't like study. All right, block your ears if you're still at school. Actually, everybody, because you're at school. We're at school being our teachers, but I really didn't like study. In fact, I really like, hated study. Um, and I just finished four years, which I thought was a mammoth effort. I thought like I'd, that, I'd conquered Everest, right? To finish actually a degree, I thought it was just a, amazing. And the thought of actually going and doing another four years, because that's what it would have taken, I was just like, there's no way, God, that I'm going to do another four years. In fact, I started to bargain with God, and this is, how I, this is how I guess I got across the line. I actually said to God, right, God, I am not going to do another four years at Avondale College to study ministry, to become a pastor. That's the last thing that's ever going to happen. I said, all right, I'll give you two years. All right, so we're starting to bargain a little bit. Right, don't do this, but that's what I did. I started to bargain. I said, I said, I'll give you two years. And after two years, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where you're going to send me, but I'm only going to give you two years. And that's it. And if that means then I just go back and be a pastor that has some knowledge of the Bible, then that's, that's cool. You know, like, sorry, a farmer that has some knowledge of the Bible, then that's fine. But I'm only doing two years. All right, we're good with that. And I felt God said, right, we're good with that. So I thought, well, I've had a little win. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. And then I get, ring up on this phone and this conversation takes place, as I just told you. And then just before we hang up, this lady says, what are you doing now? And I said, look, I'm just finishing up um, studying agriculture. And she said, oh, is that like a, a BA, like, a, you know, a Bachelor in... I said, yeah, Bachelor of Applied Science, you know, in agriculture. She says, oh, wow. He said, we have just started a brand new two-year course that if you finish a, a, a BA in any discipline, that you'll be able to come and do theology, you know, study theology. It's a brand new two-year course and you'll be able to finish it, you know, in those couple of years. And I just thought, all right, here I was thinking that, that I've just won and I realised that God sort of maybe just had me where he wanted me to be. Whenever. When God calls, when God asks to follow, whatever, whenever, don't put it off. Because there's always tomorrow. And then tomorrow, it's like, in fact, Hebrews talks about this. The writer of Hebrews talks about this. He says, um, when, when the Holy Spirit basically comes knocking, don't put it off. Don't harden your hearts, it says. Respond now. Because quite often we go, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow and then tomorrow. Like, all right, don't put your hand up, but I'll ask you the rhetorical question. Who here started a diet tomorrow, but the tomorrow led to tomorrow, led to tomorrow, and then like a month later you went, mm, never really even did get going. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's not diet, diet's just an easy one, cause, but it could be anything, it could be study. Oh yeah, we'll start that tomorrow, we'll do that tomorrow, and then like, it's like the night before, and it's like, oh, stuff, what am I doing? <laughs> yep, lots of laughter over this end. Know what I mean? Like, we all, like, don't put it off. When God comes calling, if that's what's happening, if God comes knocking on your door, because tomorrow it's a bit easier to say no than it was today. And the next day, it, it, it just seems to get easier and easier to say no as the days. But, oh, I said no yesterday, I'll do it again today. Don't put it off. This guy said, first let me go and return home and bury my father. And Jesus said, nah, if you're coming, you're coming now. And we don't hear of him again. That's how the story goes. Whatever. The next one, which is uh, in the next couple of uh, verses, 61 and 62. Another said, so they're still walking along this road, they're heading into Jerusalem, um, and another said, uh, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. 
But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plough and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And again, we have this same scenario where, where you think, well, that's a bit, you know, that's not very compassionate. That's not a very nice thing to say, Jesus. Here's this guy saying, yeah, look, I'm keen. I'm keen. I'll follow. I will. I'll, I'll be there. I'm following you. I'm here. But just let me go home and say goodbye. And Jesus turns around and says, look, if you've started a job, in the old, you know, the old scenario, I guess, if you put your hand to the plough, you, you know, you don't look back. Otherwise, you get crooked rows. I'm a farmer. I could tell you that. Um, I did four years to know that. Um, when you look back, you're going to get crooked rows. And he said, you don't look back. When you're starting a job, you don't go back. Don't go back home until, you know, why would you think he said that? Well, there's a few cultural things that might help. If you go home, has anyone, like, there's probably, probably most people here have left, like, left uh, their home or their hometown and gone somewhere completely different. And, you know, when you leave your hometown, it's not simply just saying, oh, I'll see you, Mum, you know, give her a kiss on the cheek and off you go. Usually, you know, there's, like, farewells and then there's catching up with your friends to say farewell and then there's another farewell at work and then there's another, you know what I'm saying? It's a whole, that's in our culture. Go back a few thousand years ago into the life and times of a very community-minded culture and you, and you start to see that this farewell process could have strung out over days, weeks, you know, or, you know even you know, weeks, not just, not just a few, oh yeah, see you later, hug your dad, see you later, I'm off. And Jesus says, well, this stuff's pretty important. If you want to come, it's time to go. Um, and he says, look, here, just don't look back. He says, what I want, he says, I want all of you. I don't want you to, I don't want just part of you. I don't want you to go home. I don't want, I want the whole part. I want everything that you have. I want whatever it is that you're, that you're giving. I don't want half of you. I don't want the bit that you just do on the weekend or the bit that you just do when everyone's looking. I want every part of you. I want, the, I want everything. I want the whatever. And I don't even know what that whatever might be for you. I come across a story the other day. Um, now, if there's history people here, I'll embarrass myself uh, by trying to um, fill in some gaps. But Knights of the Templar, heard of that? Oh, no, they have. That's bad news. Okay, um, Knights of the Templar. Here's a little fact that I didn't know till just recently. But Knights of the Templar, just to fill the people in who would have been as ignorant as me uh, a couple of weeks ago, or not even that, um, they were an order of, of, uh, of religious people who were warriors. So they were warrior monks. So strict discipline. Um, they, they, you know, had, took, they swore and allegiance to each other, there was this, this really strict order by monks, basically, who were warriors. And they, they, they trained just extremely diligently. They were, they were um, a feared fighting outfit. This is around, I don't want to embarrass myself with my dates, but around the Middle Ages, 1100 to 1300 AD. Now, these knights uh, were, they went in and they wanted to protect Solomon's temple, or, or to take back, actually, Solomon's temple and then protect it. And, and like I said, they were revered. They were, they were a fierce fighting outfit. Uh, it said that they would never, ever break ranks. They wore a red cross on their, on their garment because that's the sign of martyrdom, martyred, martyrdom. And so they were prepared to die for their cause. And they would never break ranks. They would never desert. They would, in fact, it was said they would never, ever even retreat unless they were ordered to do so. And even when they were ordered to do so, they had to be outnumbered by a minimum of three to one. So if there's only two to one, if, they, if there was two of them and one of me, then I still can't retreat. 
All right, that's just that's the code we run by. And so they, they were a fierce fighting outfit. Very, you know, doing it for the cause, doing it for God, that's what they believed. Now these monks, so that's a little bit of the background, but it is said that when they were, they were actually baptised, when they would baptise one of these monks, they would actually baptise them with their sword in their hand. And what they would do is when they were baptised, now baptism, just in case there's any people here that don't know, baptism is the symbol of, I guess, of a renewed life. And it's in, you know, baptism by immersion, just similar to what Jesus did, is when people go down under the water and that's signifying the death of their old ways and they're brought up and that's the whole, if you've been around Christian circles, the whole rebirth or being born again as a new person, a new life. So go down to the old ways, come back up to a new life. And they say when these monks were baptised, they would be baptised with their sword in their hand and what would that actually do is they'd actually keep their sword above the water. signifying that, you know what, God, you can have all of me except what happens on the battlefield. Interesting. Figuratively speaking, symbolically speaking, what is it that you may hold above the water? Maybe it's, maybe it's a work diary. You know, maybe you spend so much time at work that God just doesn't have a chance to get into your life. And maybe, you know, symbolically, if you were to be baptised, you'd be like, don't get the diary wet. You know, like, <laughs> maybe, maybe you say, no, you know what? Maybe it's, like, maybe it's like the remote control of the TV. You know, like, you can have everything, but like, you know, I just want to keep my TV and I just want to do that, all right? You can have everything else, but just, you know, maybe it's the keys to your car or maybe it's, maybe it's your phone and, you, you know, you, you, all your friends that you talk to, I'm not saying, not saying any of these are bad, not saying in themselves anything is bad, I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of these, but what I'm saying is, have you given everything to God? You know, have you given your mates, your relationships, your, um, the things you do for entertainment, have you just said, God, you know what, you can have everything. And here, you know, we're talking about the, the whenever, God calls, let's go. The wherever, I'll follow. And the whatever. I want to take everything, God, and I want to give that to you. And, and sometimes that's easier said than done. Well, it's often easier said than done. Um, but I guess the question that we're going to ask ourselves is, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to be a fan, cheering from the sideline, looking like a Christian, going, ooh, yeah, I'm... Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm right into this and I'm going to serve God and I'm going to go wherever he follows, wherever he asks me to follow, I should say. Uh, you know, quite often we can have good intentions. Um, we can be, yeah, like, I'm, I'm right into this, but tomorrow it's all sort of back to normal, back to like, yeah, whatever. Um, so I ask you, what, what is your first step? What's your next step going to be? What's Monday going to look like for you? What's the... If I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to be a fan, but I'm going to be a follower, what are you going to do? How's it going to be different? Wherever? Whenever? Whatever? If you took those three words and said, right, I got those three words, I want to put them into practice, what is it going to look like? And I want to... Um, I want you to imagine that 
these three people, I want you to imagine what would happen if these three men uh, had have actually gone, yep, I'm going to follow you straight away. Like, like I said at the start, we've heard, we, heard, we hear about uh, the disciples, we've heard how they said, look, yep, I'm going wherever you want me to go, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, wherever, all that sort of thing. They still stuffed up, they still did the wrong things, and we've got stories about them, and we laugh at them because they're like, oh, how dumb are they sometimes? But they're there and they're doing amazing stuff. And you hear about them, you hear, you know, you hear the things they've done, and they begin a movement because they said, right, God, we're on, a, we're on, the, we're on the road with you and we're going to do whatever it is that you would like us to do, whenever and, and, and whatever. I want you to imagine what might have happened to these three people if they had to follow Jesus Christ there and then. He might have had 15 disciples. I don't know. I mean, maybe they were just... But you know what I'm saying? You never know. What would happen if we said that? You get where I'm going with that? What would happen if we actually say, right, I, God, I will follow you. I'm, gonna give, I'm not just going to give bits of me and it's like, yeah, cool, I'll just, I'll do, yeah, just keep God happy type stuff, but I'm going to give the whole thing. I'll go wherever. I'll do it whenever and I'll give you whatever. I'll give you everything. What would that look like? What would that look like if everyone here at Refresh did that? And then new people would come along and if the Holy Spirit impressed them that way, they also did that and we began to this movement of, of, of people just following Jesus Christ no matter where. Now I don't know where you are with God. And if you're not right into God's stuff, you might be just like, well, oh, man, that's just it's not my thing. But like we mentioned there last week or week before, we all follow something. It was last week we were talking. We all follow something. We all sacrifice for something. We all give up some things to follow other things, no matter what it is. It might be our, you know, it might be relationships. It might be things you want to do or go, places you want to go, but you sacrifice some things, some things to go and do others. That's just, we all do that. That's just, it's normal. You know, we sacrifice money to go and do some type of entertainment. Not bad in itself, but I'm just saying, we all sacrifice some things to, to do other things. What if we said, right, I've got everything's yours and I want you to, well, we want to follow wherever it is that you want us to go. Um, I'm going to play a... a song we'll have Simo or whoever's up there playing a song just in a tick and during that song I just want you to just between you and God just to think right oh God this is what my wherever is this is my, my whenever this is what my whenever is and this is where the whatever what does it mean for you to follow Jesus Christ just give you a few minutes to think about that and then we'll wrap it up where you go
My prayer would be that you could stand before Jesus Christ and say, I'm not a fan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you so very much for Refresh, for the people here who are making that happen. I want to thank you that we can come together on a Saturday morning, um, just muck around together and, and just to enjoy each other's company, but also to come and do that with you. And I just pray that we can all... Uh, identify or that you can identify that for us where it is that we need to be um, what it is that we need to be doing and, and to do that whenever it is that you call us to do it and I just truly want to thank you for being a part of our lives and part of our journey and just may we always be following right behind you Amen